happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie, I'd like to read you a bedtime story. Okay. <laughs> Who's it about? Um, it's about this guy named the Babadook. Or rather, just a, a, a figure. I don't want to gender the, the Babadook. Okay. The Babadook. What's the fashion situation? The fashion situation. Fashion icon. I see. Uh, the Babadook. I see. I see. A top hat. Uh-huh. Some like pretty intense makeup. Okay. Amazing. You've got like a black cloak, I would say. Okay. Hot. Hot. Both physically and like, you know, like energy wise. Like probably sweating under there. How yeah, much is the Babadook sweating under all of that? I mean, it does seem like it's kind of maybe it seems like it's not, you know, warm the whole movie. It's a pretty chilly mm. environment. It seems like a second layer. Honestly, I mean, look, <laughs> welcome yeah. to the Bechdel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus, huge Babadook fan. My name is Caitlin Durante, another huge Babadook fan. Hard to really not be a fan of the Babadook, as we will be <laughs> discussing in this exclusive unlocked Matreon episode Ooh. for you. Can you believe it? I can scarcely believe it, but here we are. Oh my goodness. Nonetheless. Here we are. Um, so we are unlocking this episode this week, a little a little peer behind the curtain that is just simply uh, unfortunate. We were hoping to spotlight. I mean, we at, the, at this point, it's like we sort of cover all sorts of movies throughout mm-hmm. the year. Um, but we were hoping to get several queer movies featured in the month of June, because I don't know if you've uh, been to a bank recently, <laughs> but it's... It's it's Pride Month, um, so happy Pride to everybody! And we um, we had big plans for this month, and then unfortunately, I Jamie got the homophobic COVID nineteen virus, an extremely homophobic, queerphobic in general virus. Yes, just not a friendly. So I I got really sick, and it kind of derailed our plans. A little bit. I uh, very, very fortunate to be doing better now. Yes. Shout out to vaccines and Paxlovid. I don't know if anyone has uh, been on the Paxlovid mm. bus, um, but 
in any case, you know, I feel, I feel very lucky to have, um, to be better, but it, it did yes. sort of derail our June a little bit. Um, and so we were thinking, um, what would be a fun episode to unlock mm-hmm. for the month of June? Because me being sick sets stuff back a little bit. So sorry. <laughs> okay, we're trying our best. <laughs> and we will also be like, I mean, I feel like we, we cover movies with queer themes all the time all the now. So time. it's like the boundary of June we don't observe. Mm. Um, but... <laughs> But in any case, we wanted to uh, un- unlock an episode that had um, queer themes. The Babadook, you may say, now hold on, what are you talking about? I do believe we cover it in text in this episode of why oh, yeah, the Babadook yeah, yeah. is considered a queer icon. We spend a long time talking about it, in fact. And I think, and and I, I believe, because we were this episode originally came out on our Matreon, which by the way, if you enjoy the fun, loose energy of this episode, always a reminder to uh, go to our Patreon, aka Matreon, patreon.com slash Bechtelcast for two bonus episodes a month and an over 100 episode backlog. We've only um, ever unlocked a handful of them on the main Mm -hmm. feed and we don't make a habit of it except for when one of us gets um, wildly ill. (laughs) So there you go. Mm -hmm. But I do believe because we discuss, we won't spoil it here. We do discuss why the Babadook is considered a queer icon and has been embraced as a queer icon, even though that's not necessarily in the text, (laughs) but we address why. Mm -hmm. But I believe because this is fr- this is an episode from almost four years ago, uh, October 2018. Yes. It's rather far mm-hmm. back in the Matreon's history. And at the time, I don't know if I mentioned it in the episode, but I had pitched an episode about queer icon the Babadook on my first season at Robot Chicken. This is familiar, yeah. And because this is episode is four years old, that sketch did get into the show and was released on the show in 2019. Hell yeah. So I will be linking to the sketch. Hopefully you like it. I was very, I was shocked and thrilled <laughs> that it somehow got into the show. It is an episode. It's like, I don't know, put yourself in your 2019 brain if you can. It was very timely at mm. the time. Queer Icon the Babadook goes on to new Netflix Queer Eye. Oh, that's good. That's good. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your support of a TV show that came out three years ago. Look, I was proud of it. And the Babadook is a queer icon. And also the Babadook was like even outside of this fascinating history of how the Babadook became a queer icon. Mm-hmm. It's also just a movie that is full of discussion that's relevant to our show. Yes, which you are about to hear. I found, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like in the years since we released that episode, the Babadook being a queer icon has kind of fallen out of the zeitgeist. And I'm hoping that us releasing this episode, like, you know, like unlocking this episode will remind people, don't forget about the Babadook. It's being a queer icon. It's true. I don't think I've really, I don't think it's like that the Babadook has been removed from no canon but it's just is not as discussed as as it was in i want to say like 2017 18 19 mm-hmm. you know in a world where there is a dearth of sheer joy yeah the babadook as queer icon i feel like um 
you know, is, is worthy of your attention. Hopefully you enjoy, if you, if you are not aware of this, you, you'll enjoy learning the origins. Because this is a Matreon episode, I guess we should quickly tell people what the Bechtel test is <laughs> because we don't do that in Matreon episodes. Yes. And I will, we will do that by giving an example. And here's the example of yes. something that passes the Bechtel test. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Did you know that I believe it was sometime in 2019, the director of the Babadook, Mm -hmm. Jennifer Kent, Mm -hmm. finally commented (gasps) on... I did not know this. Wait. So she was asked her thoughts on the Babadook being a queer icon. And of course... Rooting for her. Conversations about the Babadook passed the Bechtel test because... Yes. The Babadook is a genderless slash gender fluid slash non-binary icon. And also the Bechtel test passes kind of like uh, whatever is interesting to us in, <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of cases. Uh, true, true, true. Um, but Jennifer Kent finally responded, I believe, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. I think she was on the press tour for her film, The Nightingale. She was asked what her thoughts were on the Babadook as a gay icon. And she said, quote, I'm still trying to work that one out. It's quite perplexing. I feel it's really quite beautiful, but I still have no idea why. I mean, I kind of do, unquote. <laughs> oh, okay. That's <laughs> truly an iconic response. <laughs> yep. Because... It is very funny. Like, I feel like, first of all, it is a gift for a character you invented to be taken out of context by accident, become a queer icon, and then be asked what you think about it. You're like, um, I guess that's awesome. Because it is. <laughs> True. But also, I think her response makes quite a, quite a lot of sense. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah, great. Um, well, shout out Jennifer Kent. Yeah. Shout out Babadook. Oh, Babadook. Shout out this movie and that did in fact pass uh the Bechdel test top to bottom test which is a media metric Uh created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test right there are many versions of the test here is the one that we use a piece of media passes the Bechdel test if there are two characters of a marginalized gender Mm -hmm. who have names Mm -hmm. they speak to each other and their conversation has to be about something other than a man. And then we add the caveat, you know, at least a two-line exchange. And hopefully that conversation is narratively meaningful. A hundred percent. And I am thrilled. I mean, I, th- I think it's just very fun that we unlock this episode. Hopefully you agree. Um, we have mm-hmm. a really fun lineup planned for the summer. We will obviously, we will always be covering queer movies on this show. Apologies for our June getting a bit derailed this year, but we are back on track. Mm-hmm. I am still testing positive. However, oh, I no. feel okay. I mean, you know, first of all, I'm very lucky that I can work from home. Second of all, mm. the walls of this apartment, unfortunately, I mean, they couldn't be more familiar to me. We were locked in our houses for quite a long time. Uh, true true so um with that in mind um thank you for listening to the show happy pride thank you for your uh patience with this slight disruption 
and we are going to have a uh, a fun summer ahead. It's not indeed we are hot girl summer. Hot girl summer was I believe 2019 and 20. Hot dog mm. summer was summer 2021. Mm-hmm. 2022 I don't really know what hot what well, hot, I mean uh what's going to be hot this summer. <laughs> hot planet <laughs> summer seems depressing. Hot uh high gas price summer. God, we really, I can't think of something non-dystopian. We'll, we'll circle back uh, <laughs> on, on that. It's going to be a hot summer. Yeah. That's for sure. Yes. But thank you so much for listening. Join the Matreon if you are enjoying the vibe of this, of this episode. Uh, we have, you know, it's no longer 2018. Um, but <laughs> Caitlin and I do like to get a little chaotic and fun on the Matreon stream. For example, yeah, this month... Our theme was, uh, I know what you did last midsummer, and we're not going to tell you what movies we covered because it's in the title <laughs> of the. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you'll be able to figure it out. You're smart. Oh, yes. wait, uh, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of just kind of not random, but, you know, thoughts that pertain yeah. to uh, things. One, um, <laughs> thoughts that pertain to things? <laughs> things? Ever heard of them? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, first, Jamie, I'm glad you're recovering from COVID and feeling better. Two, I think that the Babadook, the movie, is one of its kind of thesis statements is is something that we also have as a as a thesis statement on the Bechtel cast, which is um, don't read books. We don't we don't read books. The, <laughs> the book and the Babadook. That is true. It's, it's bad. So I feel really close to the movie, the Babadook, for that reason. Yeah, m- good messaging. <laughs> Do not read books. Don't don't read books. They're they're dangerous. Is, I think is the main takeaway. <laughs> they're trying to hurt you. Yep. <laughs> From the movie. Let's see. I would like to plug an upcoming tour I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you know it's it's not hot girl summer. It's uh, hot Caitlin on tour summer. Tormer. Because I'm going to Europe. Ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. And I'm doing shows in. Barcelona, Madrid, Paris, Amsterdam, hopefully London, hopefully Edinburgh. I've got to figure some of those out. But uh, check out my website and take a gander at the shows I'm doing. And if you live in any of those places, Mm -hmm. come say hello. I love it. I will plug Ghost Church, yes, um, which is finishing its run this coming week. This is my uh, podcast that I, if you've been listening to the Bechtel cast, you probably heard me plug the hell out of it, but it's my most recent um, solo podcast that is about the history of American spiritualism and my time that I spent in a spiritualist camp in Central Florida, where I am going back to uh, in a week and a half. Oh, that's right, because you're going, you are going to Florida. I am going to Florida. For some reason, 2022 is just, Florida is a magnet, and I am a, 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 a piece of metal. <laughs> um, so I have, I, I am doing shows in LA all summer. I think I'm going to be doing a few shows in Boston in July. But outside of that, I'm going to be uh, hanging out with uh, my my mediums in in Florida. So listen to Ghost Church. Um, a lot of love went into it. Produced by Bechtel cast producer Sophie Lichterman, mm-hmm. featuring the voice talents of Caitlin Durante, <gasps> of Paul F. Tompkins, of Robert Evans, of of many many talented people. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think that that's all I have to say. Without further ado, shall we, uh, Babadook? Let's shall. Enjoy the episode. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. Hi, matrons. What's up? It us. It us. How are you, Jamie? I'm having a day, yeah. honestly. I mean, and we're also recording this. Uh, the I'm literally looking at a picture of a gravestone on my <laughs> computer because I just designed the his wife shirt, which his will be out wife. soon. Um, all that to say, you know, we're we're keeping it loose. And we're recording this a week after the Kavanaugh hearings, but before the whole FBI thing has been settled. And I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I took the morning off and I'm still fucking exhausted. <laughs> How well, are you? I'm, I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> I just want to like puke. I just, I stay <laughs> off of social media for the most part. I have not been keeping up with the news enough because it's far too depressing. Uh, but hey, speaking of depression and mental illness, let's talk about the Babadook. I love the thing is, I love the Babadook so much. Yeah. Oh, okay. Here's a question. Is Babadook, when I said like that, mm-hmm. is that an Australian accent? Oh, I don't know. 
Um, I say Duke. I hit the O's. Yeah. I say, well, in the movie they say it, Baba Duke. But I think it's because Australia. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you can Sorry say Sorry for yelling. You can say it however <laughs> you want. I can say it however I want. Anyone can say it however they want. Choosing how to identify it is an important embedded uh, message of not the even Babadook. choosing it's it's acceptance mm-hmm. it's a message of a failure to accept yeah i think that i mean well there are two ways to view the baba duke duke <laughs> there is the textual reading sure which is pretty generally understood and even copped to by the writer director jennifer kent mm-hmm. uh, was copped to a pretty one-to-one metaphor for postpartum depression the baba duke being a monster that represents postpartum depression right then there's a metatextual reading that i think is way cooler (laughs) which is i believe it was 20 i believe the year was 2016 Uh when uh netflix miscategorized the baba duke as an lgbt film Uh and the lgbt community lgbtqi plus etc community as they have historically done welcomed the Babadook into the community rather than rejecting them. Sure. And it became really one of my favorite memes of all time <laughs> is that instead of saying, hey, this doesn't belong here, let's let's make sure that the Babadook gets out of the LGBTQ category. They instead said, oh, the Babadook was queer. And it introduces, well, do you have the tabs of, yeah, let's, because, because the specific jokes are so rich. Right. I think this is the more interesting conversation personally. There's a, there's a a BuzzFeed listicle, which just features many of the tweets and screen grabs and, and good question. I know that Baba Duke was being joked as being like the special guest at pride in 2017 yeah but i don't know what amount of time before that people were beginning to make the jokes and that queer icon babadook was making the rounds on the internet yeah yeah there's all kinds of really funny tumblr conversations memes and tweets where the queer community is embracing queer icon babadook as one of their own uh that's not to say that everyone in the queer community is on board i've spoken i mean i've spoken to a few people who were like "Eh, whatever it's like i mean i think like any meme mm -hmm. it could be perhaps viewed as cheesy sure overdone tacky definitely understand that view completely yeah personally i love it (laughs) (laughs) i do too and so well tell me your your history with the film the baba duke oh gosh i think i saw and i'm pretty sure most people who have seen this movie did not see it in theaters they saw it on netflix it's a movie that very much found its legs in streaming Mm -hmm. so i saw yeah, I saw it in in streaming. I'm pretty sure I saw the stark image of the Baba Duke. It was like, seems like my kind of fit. You know, mm-hmm. I liked the fit. I liked the the alliterative nature of the name, mm-hmm. and I watched it. And I was like, it was like the kind of thing on first viewing. I'm like, 
this plot is all over the place enough that it needs to be a metaphor for something I'm missing. <laughs> and then did a light goog and realized that indeed it was a, you know, kind of like, and not even to be overly critical of Jennifer Kent. I think she's made a lovely, thoughtful, interesting, scary movie. Mm-hmm. But it does, we were talking about this during the viewing where it gets so in the weeds on its own metaphor that if there was no metaphor, if you're just looking at the plot, there's a lot of moments that you're like, um, sure. <laughs> you know, almost like, and not, I mean, it's like 20% that issue to Mother, Aronofsky's movie from oh, last year. Yeah. But I think it's like a far lesser offense of the same crime of just like a movie that's so caught up in its own metaphor that it loses any sort of plot baba duke is not to the extent i mean mother is just like mother barely has a plot it's story is at the expense of the extended metaphor unintelligible yeah (laughs) but the baba duke i mean there's it's more like there are a few scenes and plot points that you're like I'm not totally with this, especially like that. And well, I guess do you want to do the recap? Yeah, um, it's be- weird. We're having so many. There's so there's so much uh, to quote one user Baba discourse to have. <laughs> so my brief history with it before I do the oh, recap. Oh yes, sorry. Is, oh how, how dare you? I'm sorry. Goodness gracious! Unbelievable, Jamie. I saw it streaming as well. I remember there being like a lot of buzz about it when it first came to Netflix and Uh people were like, oh, I heard it's so freaking scary. It's the best horror movie in a while. People Uh were going crazy about it. It came out in 2014. I think I probably didn't watch it until sometime in 2015. But I was like, okay, yeah, I, I appreciated its production design. I think a lot of care went into stylizing the movie. I think that the performances are really good. You know me. I generally am not the hugest fan of a lot of child acting. It's not that I hate the actors themselves. It's just that I don't think that... But the child, the kid who plays, I mean, you do feel... It reminds me of this horrible health class I had in seventh grade. It, you do feel her pain of like, yeah, this kid is screaming and she doesn't have the support she needs to get this kid to not be screaming right it's not even like the reasons the kid is screaming are wrong but how do you're just one person yeah it reminds me of this i had this horrible horrible chain smoking health teacher (laughs) named mr starziak yeah in seventh grade and his like famous lesson was on shaken baby syndrome it was like notorious it was like in seventh grade because my older cousins had gotten it a few years before me and she's like my my cousin tammy was like oh you're gonna get mr starziak's shaken baby lesson and so fucked up but she wouldn't tell me no spoilers right Mm -hmm. and what he did was he would go in at the beginning of class and be like so none of you guys would shake a baby to death right (laughs) and we'd all be like no of course not he was like good just checking and then he would put on a cassette tape of a baby screaming and would turn it all the way up 
and would leave a baby doll sitting on top of the tape recorder so it seemed like the baby was crying and then he would leave the room oh my god and he would leave it there the whole period his point being babies are annoying and eventually you're gonna want to kill them them to death oh my god but no seventh grader would ever like it was annoying and it was grating but it was more everyone was just like why is he doing this? Does he want one of us to try to shake this baby? No one did. And according to my cousin's experiences, no one did in their class either. They just sort of sat there and they were just like, this is annoying, but like more like, why is our teacher doing this? And so eventually in every case, when a student inevitably does not shake the baby to break the tension, Mr. Starziak comes back into the room and shakes the baby himself. Uh, and he would be like, see, is this annoying? And we'd be like, yes. And he's like, yeah, don't you want to shake this baby? And he'd shake the doll. And my year was particularly iconic because the head of the doll popped off. And, and then he'd stop the tape recording and he'd be like, I don't know. You'd be like, and that's shaken baby syndrome. Wow. Okay. So um, that was what Samuel's performance was invoking for me. I see. I see. What a horrible thing to do to kids. There is no prevention techniques taught. Just explaining. It was basically, he was just, just like confirming that baby's crying is annoying and you might succumb <laughs> to the temptation to shake them. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, it happens, but. You can pretty much get why. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. That, okay. Well, um, Starzy Maybe not the best educator we've ever known. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw the movie once and I, I liked it, but I, I didn't quite get all of the hype. I wasn't like, oh, you know, because it, it is a little nonsensical, especially as the movie progresses and certainly in like the third act where the resolution is a little confusing. And mm-hmm. when you do look at it from the perspective of the Babadook is a manifestation of her postpartum depression, mm-hmm. then the implications of what happens are, I mean, we'll talk about them, but it's, you know, it's a strange choice. Um, yes. But yeah, we could talk <laughs> about that. So the story of the Babadook. Yes, do tell us. The Baba, the book of the, the Baba book. The Baba um, book, the Baba discourse. The Babadook is about a mother named Amelia mm-hmm. who lost her husband on the day that her son was born. So they were driving to the hospital. They get in a car accident. Her husband dies. Can I say? Mm. Kind of lazy writing. A little death on the way to the hospital you're like all right though mm-hmm. but it does keep with the one-to-one nature of this movie right so we learn about this accident just through a series of like kind of quick cuts and visuals uh and then we are with her and her son samuel who is six or seven years old something he's, like that i think he's supposed to be in first or second grade yeah yeah so they're in a quiet Australian community. Mm-hmm. Um, her son has a lot of behavioral problems. He right. has different weapons that he's assembled, it seems, that he brings to school. He gets in trouble about that. He acts out quite a bit at home. Mm-hmm. He 
doesn't tend to get along with other children. And then he also is inclined to flights of fancy where he he loves magic. He loves um, Which, first being of a magician. All, as we all know, a young man interested in magic is a red flag. A young man who thinks, you know, it'd be awesome if I could control everything around me is dangerous. Anyway, see, I really appreciate, you know, close up magic. So I, I think. No, that- that's when a man's like, get closer. It'll get more interesting. I promise. I control everything. Mm-hmm. Oof, magicians triggering. Okay. So he loves he loves magic. He lets his imagination run away with him and he's always seeing monsters. So Ugh. his mom's like, There aren't any monsters. So one day it's bedtime and he's like, Read me a story and he pulls a book off the shelf mm-hmm. called Mr. Babadook. Which we'll get into the needless gendering of the Babadook later. Sure. I think the movie is not called Mr. Babadook for a reason. Sure. Because uh, perhaps contributes to the Babadook's rage. Non binary icon. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Not a feminist icon necessarily does try to kill Amelia a bunch. (laughs) And Anne stalks their neighbor, Mrs. Roach. He's like, er, sorry, they, they, they are, are hanging out. Um, they have house. certainly some crimes to answer for, mm-hmm. but being a non-binary icon is not one of them. <laughs> so she reads Mr. Babadook, the book, the, the imagery in it is scary. And it's about this monster who will come and get you. And then the, the less you believe in the Babadook, the more they will interfere with your life. So, yeah. So Amelia reads this to Samuel. She writes it off as just a story. But right. Samuel insists that the Babadook is real and is around and is tormenting him. And this causes even more problems at school where he basically gets kicked out of school, even though he's a young, very young child. And he is at his cousin's birthday party mm-hmm. and he pushes her. Ruby. Ruby. Not an icon of any sort, I no. don't think. But does she, just because you're not an icon doesn't mean you should be pushed out of a tree. Certainly not. Important to remember. So he his like misbehavior is like dialing up to an 11. He's and, pushing kids out of trees. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Right. So she's saying, you know, stop with this Babadook thing. The Babadook is not real. But then she starts to see glimpses of the Babadook. The freaking duck. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't real. I'm seeing things. And she's in denial. And, and she throws no, the no, book no. away. But then the book... You know, she rips it up and, and puts it book. in the trash. The Baba Booey. The, Baba, the, the Abba book. What it, the Abba where book. Where is <laughs> the Abba Babadook crossover event we've all been waiting for? I would be Baba Shook if that <laughs> happened. Can I plug my Babadook thing soon? Yeah. Next season of Robot Chicken. Oh, yeah. Early 2019. Keep your eyes peeled for, honestly, what I think is my greatest accomplishment to date, which is a sketch called Queer Eye for the Babadook. Yeah, I I can't wait to see it. I'm really excited. I think it's a tale of becoming. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we've got um, Babadook, Mamma Mia, that's going to (laughs) happen. Bye-bye, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Bye Bye Man is also so funny. The Did you see that? Whatever that movie was, it was it no, called the Bye Bye Man. Yeah. It was called the Bye Bye Man. It's like a Slenderman knockoff, right? Was yeah. my understanding, and then it's like you can miss it. But the the double the double entendre of the Bye Bye Man mm-hmm. is Isn't fun. Also, it? Robert Jr. says Bye Bye when he gets off the phone. Oh, okay. Just just I'd flourish. I would add. <laughs> Okay, so she's she's chucking the Babadook book in the bin, if you will. Bucking and chucking. But the Babadook book comes back on her doorstep, and she's like, what the hell? So then she burns it. She goes to the police and says, I'm being stalked. And they're like, we don't uh-huh. believe you. Sure. And then the Babadook gets worse uh it starts to really torment her she's having different delusions she is she can't sleep and when the the babadook book comes back more of the story has filled in and it's like you're gonna kill your dog and your son by the way (laughs) Uh, and she's like no i'm not but then she does kill her dog because she's being more and more possessed i suppose by the duck and then the duck. she kind of snaps to she she does nearly kill her son because she's holding a large knife and there's an interesting switch that happens where in the beginning of the movie Samuel is intolerable as a character because of his behavioral yeah. problems and you feel really sorry for the mom having to deal with uh, a child like that right. and then there's a switch that happens where Samuel becomes a super sympathetic character because his mom is trying to kill him mm-hmm. and or neglecting him and or verbally abusing him sure and then the mom meanwhile is doing all these horrible things so right. like the character you're identifying and sympathizing with most there's like a stark switch that happens so she throws up some black, blood. very Jennifer's body mm-hmm. k- kind of bile. Yeah, and then you know she, she seems like she's about to lose it, and you know her son has tied her up in the basement. But then she kind of comes to, and she has this face-to-face confrontation with the Babadook, and she's like, "This is my house. You're trespassing in my house. Mm-hmm. Get out of here!" And then it like seems like the Babadook has been defeated and or kept at bay because then we cut to her and her son they're in their nice clean clothes again they're not covered in black vomit right Uh, she goes down to the basement the babadook is there presumably kind of like tied up or something and she's like here eat some worms it's weird and then that's the end of the movie so metaphorically if if we are remembering that the Babadook is a manifestation of her mental illness, uh-huh. I guess all you have to do to cope with mental illness is just acknowledge that it's there okay. and then kind of lock it away in, in your subconscious <laughs> or something. Uh, I think that there's a little more to it than that. I mean, it's again, it's like kind of a sloppy metaphor, mm-hmm. but ultimately i think it's like supposed to mean and this is i think the reason it doesn't work is because it like skips ahead of so many like it depicts the i guess like the battle between a woman and postpartum depression mm-hmm. right but then it just skips ahead to like and now it's treatment and everything's great mm-hmm. and it's not None of the abuse towards her son slash animal cruelty is ever addressed. 
best. Mm-hmm. And it's just all this. We're like, yeah, we really like flipped ahead on this this one. I don't know that she's saying. I mean, I think that it's more like not locking mental illness away, but like finding a way to restrain dark thoughts. Because mm-hmm. I think with the actual movie, not the queer masterpiece version of it, <laughs> the Baba Duke represents all the like not even i don't even know like it could possibly even recommend like just be depicting the ugliest parts of this illness of like dark thoughts that are attacking you and possessing you and making you you know do things you wouldn't normally do and locking those away Mm -hmm. and keeping them at bay with you know little zoloft worms right and what have you (laughs) Ugh, yeah. I'm tired. I don't know. I mean, the movie is creepy and there's sure. scary imagery, but when you really think about it, like like uh, we do on our podcast, yeah, it is technically it our job. Is, it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. I think a movie that has a clear metaphor that also has a story that makes sense and is also you know very creepy and haunting is It Follows. Which I would love to do an episode on sometime. See, I have a lot of problems with it. Well, I, I, it's certainly not without its problems, but I yeah. think I just enjoyed that movie more. Interesting. Yeah. I like, see, I think that that comes, it might come down to like a preference thing too, because I prefer Call Me Simple, but I like a villain with a face. I know it's mm. scarier when they don't have a face. And you're like, where's he at? Where's he at? <laughs> but I like a villain. I, I mean, I'm literally dressing up as the Baba Duke for Halloween. I'm like, <laughs> give me a villain with a with a fit and an aesthetic, sure, and an objective. Um, no, it's think, less scary, but it it looks not hot. necessarily. I, I th- yeah, I think it is a matter of preference. Yeah, but let's take a quick break and then we will come back for more discussion. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as far as the female characters, mm-hmm. um, we have a few. There aren't that many characters in this movie at all. We've no. got Amelia. We've got Samuel. Yes. There is Amelia's sister, Claire. There's Claire's daughter, Lucy, who we see the both of them in a couple scenes, but they are certainly more secondary characters who don't get a ton of screen time. Mm-hmm. There is a colleague of Amelia's who I think, is that Robbie? Oh, the crush. She, she works, yeah, she works at Mr. some sort crush. of um, uh, like a, a nursing home or yeah. a hospital of some sort. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there's... She's the bingo mistress, etc. Yeah. <laughs> Please start calling me the bingo mistress. Yeah, I already do behind your back. <laughs> Thank so. you so much. You're welcome. Um, and then there's Mrs. Roach, their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And then we see glimpses of Amelia's dead husband. Mm-hmm. And that's really about it. There's a couple like child protective service people who visit the house a couple times but sure. um, yeah it's really just those two main characters of Amelia and Samuel and of course Babadook so that means there's not a whole lot of interaction between women you know Amelia does talk to her sister Claire a few times she does talk to Mrs. Roach a few times Claire's character is like I don't know. I mean, there are a few elements of this that are like turned up to an 11 to the point of like, do we like anyone in this movie <laughs> where you're definitely sympathetic towards Amelia at most points in the movie towards the end? You're like, oh, geez, she killed a dog. Making mm-hmm. her kill a dog was such a move because that will like lose you 90 percent of any rational audience. <laughs> right. But that said, Claire, Amelia's sister, seems to truly not sympathize with Amelia's situation at all, which right. is confusing to me because I don't know. There's a lot of people, I want to be careful about the way I phrase this. But there's a lot of people who are very aggressive to Amelia in this movie that don't necessarily make a ton of sense. Where like Claire obviously fully knows that Amelia lost her husband mm-hmm. in an accident that she was in. Mm-hmm. She knows that her nephew Samuel is traumatized by this. Yeah. She knows that Amelia has to work a lot to support her and Samuel. Right. She's and a single yet, mom. Right. And she knows that Amelia also has a lot of trauma. So why is she so completely and utterly unset? Like literally most of their interactions are screaming. Yeah. It's very strange. I don't know. I mean, I think perhaps that Claire was maybe m- more supportive in the more immediate aftermath of the accident and she's just sort of gotten sick and of she's like get over it yeah that, i mean that does make I mean, but that i mean that's not being as supportive as a sister as she could be 
but I don't necessarily think that Claire is completely unjustified in her behavior, especially when... In her being frustrated. Yeah, her frustration. And then also um, because she does make an effort to include Amelia and Samuel in her and her daughter's life. For sure. And the moment where she really decides to kind of give up on them is when her daughter gets tossed out of a tree yeah pushes lucy out of a treehouse so (sighs) i know i i guess i guess and it has been seven years and that is like a hard thing to be like okay how what am i supposed to do but it's true that you know she could even if she is frustrated by the situation it feels like she could do more to either find help for Amelia, um, whether right. it's, you know... Is just... this a critique of the Australian Australian public health system? Oh, I don't know. Had to know. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> Sorry, Australia. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what active commentaries, if any, are being made in the movie. It is maybe worth noting that whenever she, whenever Amelia goes to the police and says, like, someone is leaving this creepy book outside of my house, Mm -hmm. the cops are like, well, you don't have that book that you said that they gave you, so we're not even going to try to investigate this so nah you're just like that what i do think is interesting about this movie is that the struggles of being a mother are the focus of the story yes particularly a single mother yes most movies don't bother to explore or address that at all um this movie reminded me a lot of Tully, um, which came out earlier this year, which I saw. I didn't especially like it just because it wasn't my type of movie. It's a well-made movie and it's well-written and everything like that. It's just not my genre. The tone isn't for me. But it's another... And she's not a single mother in that movie. But she does have a husband who is hands-off in some ways. (laughs) It's a very generous way to say it. Right. Yeah, I can only think of a few movies like this where... The struggle of of being a parent and of being a mother is deeply explored. I certainly don't know anything about what it's like to be a mother. And I have expressed many times that I don't want to have kids, so I will never know. But I am very sympathetic to and also (laughs) admiring of people who do choose to have kids because I could never do it. I simply don't have the patience or energy or any of the things that you have to have to be a parent um a a trap this movie could have easily fallen into is being like single motherhood is absolute hell mm -hmm. which it isn't for every single mom it's certainly challenging but like there if that were the only message of the movie that would be like (laughs) probably insulting to some mothers who are making it work just fine and you know the implication of a lack of father or even secondary parent figure is somehow a failure but this movie totally justifies the hell world it creates by afflicting its single parent with significant trauma that would make anyone's life conceivable in terms of like if we're heightening it to a horror world it's not a far cry because of the trauma associated with you know watching your spouse die Mm -hmm. and feeling like it's your fault and and also adding the mental illness factor which a lot of movies do irresponsibly but I think that this movie that like depicts and again it's like I'm obviously not a mother either but 
from what I can tell, just based on the reception, and I, I did read a few kind of one-off blog posts from mothers who had experienced postpartum depression that this movie really hit with, mm-hmm. seems to be almost like a realistic metaphor for this particular mental illness almost to a fault you know Mm -hmm. like to like what we're saying to the point where there's like kind of plot holes because it is more concerned or the the agenda of this movie is is more concerned with depicting postpartum in a metaphor than it is with having a story that makes a whole ton of sense and not that right, this but movie I mean is that nonsensical, that, but but I mean that as a positive of yeah. of like usually mental illness in the horror genre is used as kind of like a god in the machine kind of thing to explain away, oh why is he evil? Um, he's bipolar, or like right. he's schizophrenic, or he's dissociative, or like her son was taken away and she's mad, and you know, kind of these reductive ways of referring to mental illness just to keep the story going. Definitely, but this. This movie kind of does the opposite where understanding and exploring the mental illness is the reason the movie exists in the first place. And so that aspect of it isn't just cast aside, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. uh, we talked a little bit about this on the Halloween episode that I believe will coincide pretty closely with the release of this Babadook episode. So it's either about to come out or it, it just has. Mm-hmm. But we explore how a lot of horror movies help perpetuate the stigma of mental illness mm-hmm. by having killers who are something. Um, right. We mentioned in Halloween where there is a psychiatrist character who has been working with the killer, Michael Myers, mm-hmm. since his childhood. And his official medical diagnosis for Michael Myers is that he is pure evil. Evil! You're just like, really, dog? All right. Uh, (laughs) I wonder if uh, the filmmakers think that having mental illness is... (laughs) Bless you. Goodness gracious. I am expelling many demons this time. (laughs) I just sneezed out the Babadook. That was the Baba Duke, Duke, Duke. Yeah. A choo choo. T- oh, anyways, okay. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> but yeah, so many films of this genre, especially, really mishandle the portrayal of mental illness yeah. and equate it with being if you experience any sort of mental illness sorry you're probably evil right and then and again it's as i think we were also discussing in the halloween episode offenses like this are especially apparent in genres that are as campy as horror movies where like mental illness stigma can be found littered throughout media everywhere from time you know immemorial but in the less subtle genres it's easier to be like, yes, he has, I have a prescription for evil and it is shooting you to death. (laughs) And that's literally the script that that psychiatrist delivers Mm -hmm. is the only cure for evil is murder. (laughs) Which is, I would love to see that written on a prescription pad. but, But yeah, that is, I mean, to this movie's credit, because I, I still really like this movie. I think that it's it's one of those movies that it's like, it's not a horror movie that is scary after the first time you watch it. But I remember the first time watching this, I was pretty scared. Like mm-hmm. when you, before you fully understand what the Babadook is and what it represents and you're just like, 
What is the Duke's deal? Sure. <laughs> Give me the Duke, baby. Yeah. It's weird because when you look at a movie like this that is so steeped in a very feminine metaphor, you're like, oh, we're going to have so much to talk about. But the movie really does uh, do what it sets out to do. And you either like it or you don't. It works for you or it doesn't. But I, in terms of, I mean, I think that this would be an example of a movie that absolutely benefits from a woman who understands what she's writing about writing and directing it because can you imagine if a man wrote and directed this it would just be all kinds of like to refer to our carry episode that's definitely out just like weird like uh this is what a woman would say right right kind of kind (laughs) of this is what happens to her body i think and also her mind question mark just gush blood when (laughs) the first period they ever get uh stuff like that but like you know in in that way it's good because that isn't something that really hit for me at all i mean in terms of like there's times where all characters seem to be behaving and reacting over the top but in terms of totally missing how this female character is written you almost always up until the very end you know when she's possessed by the babadook you're kind of just like "Ooh, this is good she's killing dogs (laughs) but for the most part the movie does a good job of like building a world where you understand why she is so frustrated and feels so depressed and like the world is closing in on her and oh definitely yeah so i mean hats off to jennifer kent in that regard i mean for writing a woman's story and also i mean it's not a last girly kind of movie it is really one woman mm-hmm. yeah she's the final girl from the start which brings me to gendering the Babadook. Okay. Why must we gender the Babadook? Why must, why Mr. Babadook? Mm. Why did the, did anyone talk to the Babadook about this? <laughs> uh, the movie's called The Babadook, I think, with with good reason. Just that the Babadook never specifies their gender. And so it is a rude assumption mm-hmm. to assume male. I think that this contributes to a lot of the Babadook's rage. Sure. You know, I just... (laughs) I also wonder, I couldn't find a response from Jennifer Kent about this, which I think is kind of a missed opportunity for her. Like, that's like a whole opportunity to get people to watch her movie a second time. Yeah. The publication that I was reading at the time it was published, she hadn't commented. Oh, Yes, here in the Guardian article about it. Um, Though director Jennifer Kent is aware of the meme, she has not commented on it. All that to say, I mean, I guess like if you're putting yourself in Jennifer Kent's, uh, (laughs) that is kind of annoying. Okay, here, fun time. Mm. Caitlin, imagine you use both of your college degrees and you spend years writing your first movie. You're going to also going to direct and, you know, you're really going to put your heart into it a hundred percent and you make it and it's good and you get good performances mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is great. The movie does okay in theaters. And then Netflix is like, Hey, Caitlin, we think you really have something to say here. Your movie was so well, well reviewed. We'd love to put it on streaming. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh my God, so many people are going to see my movie and they're going to be able to take away the message. And I'm so thrilled 
that this is happening. And then by accident, just to switch the narrative a little bit, your movie, which is about, uh, what's your movie about? It's about uh, the the struggle of being a woman in comedy. Okay, it's a movie about the struggle of being a woman in comedy, and Netflix by mistake puts it under car documentaries, <laughs> and all these car aficionados are like, "What? It, why is this here?" And then all of a sudden, the movie you put years into, they're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> car related icon, we love." And then your character is appearing at all these car conventions, and you're like, "Okay, I'm getting press, but I feel like my original message has been lost in the shuffle a bit." I can understand why she'd, but I still think I'm like <laughs> of all communities to be welcome into, you know, yeah. the the queer community. You can't do better, definitely. Uh, but uh, you know, Jennifer Kent. Enough time has passed. Yeah, embrace queer Baba Duke, and and honestly, you know, get the funding for a sequel. Right, Baba Two. Baba Two, an extremely Baba Duke. <laughs> An extremely dookie movie. <laughs> That's a Green Day documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I did it all for the... Oh, Wait, God. what is I did it all for the... For the nookie. Nookie. <laughs> but there's that Green Day album called Dookie. Oh. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that was a miss. Well, I think this episode is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I what have if, no One of our best... Um, <laughs> I wanted to, I don't even know if this is worth really talking about, but I wanted well, to see. at least <laughs> mention the masturbation scene. Oh, I do think that's worth mentioning. Yeah, because it is rare in film to see female pleasure, to see self-administered female pleasure. Although to... they never, it's always under the covers. I'm like, honestly, when I was a kid, it literally took me until I was in my late teens to even figure out how women masturbated at all because there was no... <laughs> There's no book for that. There's, there's no, no Baba book. There's no Miss. There's no Ms. Baba Duke. <laughs> what if there's a, an everybody poops with the Baba <laughs> starting the Baba Duke? So everybody, like everybody masturbates. Everybody dukes. <laughs> starting the Baba Duke. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, looks like we've uh, got fan art. <laughs> if if anyone's got a couple days to kill and wants to make everybody dukes. <laughs> Let us know. We'd love to uh, promote it <laughs> to our audience. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the the the, the, the ducking scene. Um, yes, when where she's, she's self ducking. She, she's using she's a vibrator. Her papa. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's um, giving her papa a little duke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's using a vibrator, and she mm-hmm. seems like she nearly reaches orgasm, except Samuel comes in and interrupts it. Right. I think that, I mean, it's weird because that seems to be, I think the fact that she uses a sex toy is kind of different, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we do see female masturbation fairly frequently in like thriller slasher kind of things, and it is always followed by something negative. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems that I, what movie did we recently watch that Carrie, there's like a moment where Carrie's feeling herself in Carrie and there's a negative connotation where she scares herself because she doesn't understand her, what her body was. Oh, same thing happens is. in teeth. Same thing happens in teeth. Um, this happens uh, in Black Swan. I, I was think? thinking this yeah. year in Black Swan. Like we see a lot of depictions of women's 
scaring themselves by masturbating. Right. There's like feelings of shame almost always associated with it. Right. Shame and almost like unfamiliarity of like, oh, I've Mm. never done this before. What the fuck is this? Which is fair, but also like, you know, for future generations, like also show them how to freaking follow through or they'll be literally in college like, oh, how does one do that? And they'll think their boyfriend invented cunnilingus. So dumb. (laughs) Anyways, seeing a sex toy and seeing someone who like knew what they were doing was like, Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then I, th- I feel like the ultimate point of that scene was like to make it clearer that she can't get a moment's peace. Right. That her responsibility as a mother to her son is always going to take precedent over her being able to do anything for herself. Right. And I think so. I think yeah. so. And because I don't really know anything about postpartum depression firsthand. I don't know if something like that would exacerbate the mental illness. I don't know if, because it seems like she doesn't have any real opportunity to practice self-care. So I imagine that that's probably... sweating the whole movie. So that's probably making her depression worse, or it's certainly not helping with it. So yeah, there's like different factors that are playing into, it seems exacerbating the depression that she's experiencing right and then that means we get to see more baba duke on screen give me that duke so honestly the more depressed she is the more duke we see (laughs) so really the sequel good math problem (laughs) but so i think that is really all I had as far as things to talk about. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good. I mean, if you want to revisit it this holiday season, highly recommend. It's a it's a scary movie. If you've never seen it before, give it a look. Yeah, give it a bob a look. Give it a ah. yeah. <laughs> um, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yes. I'm going to be perfectly honest and say that I forgot to pay attention <laughs> to that part of the movie. It does, but it's not an astounding pass. Unless we count... Uh, the Baba Duke ta- talking to Amelia and their Baba discourse. The Baba discourse scenes all pass. Uh, I think, Amelia, I don't know what gender the dog was, so that would change Bugsby. things. Bugsby. Well. <laughs> but if Bugsby was female identifying... I guess the screaming from Amelia and the screaming back from the dog. Uh, Mm. I can't imagine a world in which that conversation would have referenced a man. It really (laughs) seemed like the safety of a female dog was the subject for discussion. So, but I, there was one scene uh, at least with Amelia and Claire where the majority it's tricky because Amelia's number one concern is Samuel. So Mm -hmm. most of what she talks about is about him, but there were, there was at least a three line exchange at one point where Claire is kind of asking Amelia, does she need more help? Is she taking care of herself? There was a scene you were referencing earlier and Amelia does not answer in verbose ways, but she's basically just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. fine. Don't worry. I'm fine. Right. So it does, it does pass at least once between the sisters, but there's certainly opportunities for it to pass more. Also let the Babadook speak. Why does the Babadook, the only line the Babadook gets when he's inhabiting the dead husband vessel is, you can bring me the boy. Yeah, right. That you doesn't pass. That certainly doesn't pass. And then the Babadook saying the Babadook's name. Babadook Duk Duk. Yeah. I mean, is 
iconic. It's iconic. <laughs> right, because, and then Amelia also speaks with Mrs. Roach, her neighbor, but I think almost all of those conversations are directly about Samuel. And then also, so. um, Claire, when she's, Amelia and Claire are talking, if they're not talking about Samuel, it's also about her dead husband and how Amelia needs to get over it. So, but yeah, I think there are uh, at least a few very short exchanges within larger conversations that do pass the Bechdel test. So, Uh, what would you rate the movie on our nipple scale? Of its treatment of women, I suppose I'm hitting the Duke. Um, hitting the Duke with a three. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm hitting the Duke with a three is that it represents a uniquely female struggle mm-hmm. in a way that gives it the seriousness and attention it deserves. It does not belittle Amelia at any point. The story doesn't make you, even when the people in the world are saying Amelia is crazy, we understand where she's coming from. We understand why she feels like the walls are closing in. And so for people who haven't experienced mental illness, particularly this mental illness, Mm -hmm. it gives you kind of some insight that seems fairly grounded uh, into what that feels like. And I think that that's very unique and something that genre films tend to do very well because you're just able to like amplify elements and it doesn't have to be a nuanced representation of mental illness. And that's like kind of the point. So I think the Amelia character, while it kind of goes off the rails at the end, I agree, Mm -hmm. in terms of characterization of her and of Samuel, who suddenly you feel bad for, even though he's screaming most of the movie. Um, Well, that tracks for me. The main thing that I don't, that I have a little trouble with is the very sudden resolution, because if she is supposed to be, I agree, yeah, you know, struggling with this mental illness, it seems to resolve almost instantaneously. And I almost wish that the ending wasn't even there, like the post ending wasn't even there, mm-hmm. because it seems to be a story of someone struggling with mental illness. It's not a story of hitting bottom and then having to reacclimate into the world. That's a totally different story and phase of dealing with mental illness. Yeah. The objective of the movie is to show a woman approaching her lowest point and getting there Mm -hmm. to the point where she has no choice. She can either die, kill her son, or compartmentalize the Babadook. (laughs) Like Like physically. Right. So flashing forward felt a little. I I get it, and it seems kind of like studio notesy of like, ooh, there and but it does. I mean, that just skips such a large portion of the metaphor that I almost wish they just kept it at like someone reaching their lowest point with mental illness and then having to be like enough. Yeah, but I I don't know. I I I think it is very unique and tells the story it wants to tell responsibly even if the storytelling uh, plot wise sometimes gets a little bit off it seems good but there's still uh, women aren't i don't know it's tricky because amelia is very intentionally cut off from the world around her mm-hmm. but the center of her universe still are i would argue two men 
her son mm-hmm. and her deceased husband. Right. And so not only do we not see her interact with anyone a lot, but we don't see her giving the women she does interact with. We don't really fully know what she hopes their relationship turns into. Like what they're, it's just kind of, you know, I would have liked to see more with her and her sister and exploring that relationship mm-hmm. a little bit where it seems like there was something there, but just not fully delivered on. Anyways, the Babadook is a queer icon, and I'll give it a three. I kind of want to give it a three and a half, but there's, I mean, kind of the usual blind spots of, besides the Babadook, no queer people, uh, no people of color. This is in Southern Australia. I don't know what the demographics of it is, but it's worth, I guess, saying that they filmed it entirely on location. Yeah. I don't know. Three feels right to me, giving all three to the Babadook. Okay, good. (laughs) Because the Babadook, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Babadook has eight nipples. Oh, amazing. Yeah, this is Babadook facts. Did with you know Caitlin. that Alfred Molina plays the Babadook? That's <laughs> <laughs> just like a weird thing he does. Mm, interesting. Yeah, what a performance. He's, he's like, you know, I can do it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I'll also land on three nips because, as you mentioned, her world revolves around two male figures in her life. And they. And the only person she's willing to welcome into her life is another man, the crush. Right. And that might be because, like her sister Claire, as her daughter Lucy says, we don't go to your house anymore because it's too depressing. So, (laughs) Which is a very funny line. Yeah. And it's a great line read by that. (laughs) Yeah. So it has some cool things going for it. But also, you know, as we pointed out, there's some weird choices made at the end. Also, this movie... It is scary, but the main thing that gives me anxiety about watching it is just... The hat. The... (laughs) (laughs) Is like watching Samuel at the beginning just be like such a misbehaved, rambunctious kid who's throwing tantrums and like not listening and like being very reckless and dangerous with his like sharp weapons and stuff. Well, maybe (sighs) that means that like Mr. Starziak's message would have resonated with you <laughs> baby i wish i'd taken you maybe that you would have been maybe you would have been the one to shake the baby <laughs> <laughs> i would hope not i don't think you would have but, no i'm but... not gonna shake at even a baby doll god when the head popped off my life changed <laughs> it's literally like i'm going to be a mother <laughs> um but yeah and i also i think it's it's funny even if it isn't for everyone the fact that the queer community has sort of co-opted the babadook as one of their own it's and embraced it's fun it's loving it's It's the the lore behind it is very funny yeah it's great so three nipples two to mrs roach because she just wanted to help she she loved them and she and she was a sweet woman and i'll give my third nipple to the the, okay the babadook (laughs) sorry i got excited (laughs) give it to the duke the duke gets my third nipple give it to the dog give it to give, give it to the poor dog another thing i feel like I need to watch this movie like five more times before okay. I get like all the <laughs> before I just like fully appreciate it because I feel like there's things I'm missing or things I'm misunderstanding or misinterpreting. I'm also curious if there are viewers of this movie of of any gender who are not aware of the metaphor of 
postpartum depression and mental illness and who just kind of watched it at face value <laughs> and weird what movie they thought about it. <laughs> well it, it like it's not not that much weirder than any other kind of you know horror monster movie yeah so, what is the metaphor behind the bye-bye man <laughs> yeah was that the what's the mr police oh movie? my god the snowman the snowman mr police i tried to <laughs> save her <laughs> That is the funniest marketing <laughs> campaign of all time. That's like, I feel like advertisers really try to make movie marketing memeable now, mm. but so few succeed. <laughs> and I I hope that was an accident. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Police. Oh, I got to look up a list of Mr. Police memes now. Oh, Love it. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, that is our Babadook episode. Uh, feel free to, you know, hit us with your comments and thoughts and everything. Thank you so much for listening. We love all of you folks. We appreciate folks. your all of you Babadooks out there. All you dookies. All you dukes. I gave you all the clues. <laughs> <laughs> tell your friends tell your other babadooks and enjoy our upcoming halloween town episode yeah we're uh we're recording to get right now yep wow wowie okay see you next time i gave you all the clues (laughs) bye Well, there you have it, folks. That was our unlocked Matreon episode now on the main feed of The Babadook. And like we said, we here and there, I think we've maybe unlocked like six or so Matreon episodes, but there are... Yeah, like ever. But there are literally a hundred others that are only on the Matreon feed. So we really encourage you to head over there. It's only $5 Mm -hmm. a month. It's uh, two bonus episodes every single month. And then again, access to those many, many backlogged episodes. And you can find that at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. You're in for a treat, if we do say so ourselves. Truly. And our community there is so much fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming up in the next week, if you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, we are covering an episode we have getting, we've gotten requests on basically weekly since it came out (laughs) Uh, three years ago, which is Midsommar. We did an Ari Aster movie. All right. And it was Caitlin's idea. So head over to the Mm -hmm. Matreon for a a fun. I, I was really happy with that episode i feel like we had a great conversation around it for sure we've been having some fun convos over on the matreon i really enjoyed our top gun episode from last month yeah i loved doing midsummer this month and a little preview for next month we're doing despicable me so <laughs> because it's, uh, it's, it's bedlam over there mid it's minions march caitlin i truly don't <laughs> know if you're ready for how prepared I am for that episode. I literally have ordered three novels in Indonesian to prepare for that episode. What? I can't, I just want to be able to unload it all at once, but I'm so (laughs) excited. All right. I can't wait. So if you're also highly anticipating our episode on Despicable Me, head over to (laughs) the Matreon. 
and then we'll and then we're we're in talks on what the other episode is going to be for minions march it's none of your business for now could be anything um so yes check us out over on the matreon and then you can also follow us on social media at Bechtelcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you if you'd be a dear, why don't you um give us a, a nice little rate and review on wherever you listen oh, yes. to your podcasts? Always a treat. And I look forward to an exciting summer on the main feed. We have a lot of returning guests. We have a lot of new guests. We have a lot of popularly requested movies, and it's going to be a fun old summer. So uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.